it feels very courtroom. It can turn into a shame spiral. I'm doing what I enjoy in my time, how I want to do it. You've never gotten your nails done, clearly. Pay <laughs> <laughs> for golf courses, making the world better. Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki. And I'm Louise. Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Hi, it's Kim, and I'm back with my lovely co-hosts, Laura, Sarah, Louise, and Nikki. And this week, I wanted to go about talking about something that I hear people talking about, especially over the last year in terms of self-care. I hear about, well, it's a guilty pleasure. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to binge on Netflix. It's a guilt, guilty pleasure. And so I'd love to come about this two ways. One, to kind of talk about what those guilty pleasures are that we have. And two, really get into that word guilt. Because I, for one, don't feel guilty <laughs> about guilty pleasures. So just to back up just a second. So a guilty pleasure is something that you enjoy doing, right? Even though it could be embarrassing, taboo, or even possibly shameful in some circles, if we were to admit it publicly. I don't love that definition of a guilty pleasure because to me, it's I, whatever. But this is the definition of what a guilty pleasure is. Kim, can I just clarify? So it's feeling guilty for liking what you like. What's interesting is I just looked up guilt versus shame yesterday and they don't even ma- I know that this is a different term, but it's funny that it's completely not what the word guilt means. So if it's shameful to like what you like. I'm going to Dungeons and Dragons because Kim and I just talked about that. When I was younger, I was ashamed that I wanted to learn how to play this and it felt like a nerdy geeky thing and it could have fallen under guilty pleasure, even though I didn't know because I'd never done it and it was pre-interwebs days. But talking about it now, I'm ready to say, heck yeah, I'm interested. Who cares? And so there's no guilt and no shame behind it. So in my head, I'm wondering if it is like, oh, I don't want to admit that I like xyz because people would judge me if that's what makes it guilty but that sounds more like shame right i feel like it is born out of shame but i feel like by using the term flippantly and i'm going to get a little deep here for just a second even though i think it's kind of we can have fun with this topic i feel like we the term guilty pleasure makes us feel shameful about the things that we're enjoying doing that maybe we don't know if anybody else enjoys doing. However, Netflix has a little thing that says, are you still watching for a reason? Because people do binge it. So why are you feeling guilty or shameful for behavior that it it just blows my mind a little bit? I think Netflix makes me feel bad. Like, are you still watching? Are you freaking kidding me, Sarah? Get up. (laughs) Like, you just watched... You I just think that's your inner mix. critic. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> that So that makes me but feel I like you. I should be guilty for watching seven straight episodes of Orange is the New Black. But I have a big crush on Piper. So Netflix, leave me the hell alone. Well, whenever um, I see it now, I think of the that subscriber who had watched B-movie like 3,000 times in right? a year. And it was because her baby loved it so much. It was the only thing that kept, kept the child calm. And so whenever I see that pop up, I'm like, they're just checking on the B-movie, mom. <laughs> I find that I find the term guilt guilty pleasure is interesting because guilt is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense or wrongdoing to somebody else. Shame is a painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable and it has to do with oneself. So it's interesting that guilty pleasure 
uh, I mean, because I get that the, it's, the term is its own thing, but it's interesting to me that it's guilty instead of shameful pleasure. Should, I mean, you know, technically, if we're going to go on semantics, it should be a shameful pleasure. But be that as it may, my guilty pleasure back in the day when we could actually go get nails done in a salon was reading People magazine. Now, I know like People's one of the most ginormous magazines in the United States. So I know lots of people really enjoy doing that thing, but I am never going to purchase one. I'm not going to have a subscription to it. So my guilty pleasure was reading about celebrities in People magazine when I used to be able to go to a salon. How are you reading the magazine if they're doing your nails? You've never gotten your nails done, clearly. <laughs> Sarah, with her fingers up going, how do you do nails and read a magazine? <laughs> just made my day <laughs> like she's drying just her nails see. in front of us <laughs> clearly not a space you spend a lot of time in and that's <laughs> okay well I used to feel guilty I love movies I love television I love the theater I love performance uh this is Nikki not Kim by the way I know I Kim, say, Kim, oh, is our, <laughs> Kim is our, our theater person but for me that was the guilty pleasure it was because I felt bad about it is the reason I wasn't a theater kid. It was why I didn't go out for that kind of stuff because I felt bad that I really enjoyed it. And I enjoy the craft of acting and performing and the nuances of like a single shot scene done really exceptionally. And that I used to be ashamed of that because I have a lot of movie and TV references because it wasn't so much that I was intentionally studying it because I was really there enjoying it, but it felt shameful because I wasn't around people. I wasn't doing things other people did. Maybe that's where the guilt and shame is that I am not serving the world in some way through that. And so I am guilty because I'm doing what I enjoy in my time, how I want to do it. Who gave you the belief that it was not serving the world to be in theater? No idea. For me, I don't know. And beyond that, if you weren't consuming, if you weren't appreciating, if you weren't taking it to that level, you wouldn't be giving the gift that you are to the performers, the editors, the filmmakers, the, I mean, it's a huge gift. The people, you know, the people that you, that used to be my industry and, and across the board, the people that we love are the people who appreciate it. So it's needed. It's needed to be on both sides. Yeah. It's funny. When I thought of the term guilty pleasure, I thought of when I was a teenager, actually. And I would get one of those can I like I'm, I'm wincing right now just thinking about it, but I would get one of those cans of um frost. This is before I knew how to cook. Um <laughs> I would get a can of frosting and I would eat directly out of the can of frosting. And sometimes I put it like on Nilla wafers. Did and you ever microwave it? I used to put yes, it in the microwave. Totally. Totally. Graham crackers. Yeah. Mill away for, oh. Yeah. So like, you know, I have a kid and I, I was like, you know what? I'm having a, a shit day. So I got some Nilla wafers and frosting. This was a couple of years ago. And I was trying to show her the joy of it. And I tried it and I'm like, what the hell was I <laughs> I had to go make real frosting. And then I showed her what Nilla wafers and frosting taste like. <laughs> but yeah. I still think of that as a guilty pleasure. And I'm not sure what the guilt, well, I do know what the guilt is, right? That's that's my inner critic around myself and my physicality probably. But the the like there was true pleasure in enjoying those Nilla wafers with that frosting. So do you think that it comes from that you don't, and I just say you as generally like, okay, I'll, I'll change it to we. Do you think that 
we feel guilty around the fact that the action brings us pleasure or that we're taking part in an act that we shouldn't be doing? It's an interesting thing because I did go there in my mind of thinking, who coined this term and was it aimed at women? Because women weren't supposed to have any level of pleasure. Like women were above mm-hmm. pleasure, are thought to, and in some cultures are still thought to be above pleasure. So that did go through my mind is that, is it an attack on whether or not we should be puritanical or if it is okay for us to experience pleasure in our lives? Well, I'm thinking of guilty pleasure to go even another step uh, towards mom guilt. I'm not personally a mom, but when I think of guilty pleasure, I think of the trope of the mom in the bathtub with the kids at the door and her saying, this is my one time for guilty pleasure. Leave me alone. Just having time to herself for 10 minutes in the tub. And so is that something that is also part of that formulation of mom guilt? You take time for yourself. You're not taking care of your kids. You're not doing everything you possibly can to make sure that they are functioning human beings in the world. How dare you think you deserve self-care? Yeah, again, I'll go with where I started. I hate the word guilt. I feel like a lot of this is based in things we're told we're not supposed to enjoy or do. Like lots of should. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of of things you shouldn't do. I mean, yeah, maybe you shouldn't enjoy them either, but I think it is a lot of shoulds and a lot of don't do that. They're, they're, how dare you? Yeah, a little bit. Like there's an, an audience of people, right? A, A jury of judges watching you and saying what you should and shouldn't do. And if the majority of the jury says no, then you feel guilt around that because you're taking part in something. That's kind of where I went. Like guilt to me, just it feels very courtroom, yeah. right? And that you have done something you shouldn't be doing and derive pleasure from it. Like that's kind of shitty, actually. Yeah. yeah I don't really, really think laws. about it. Who makes right? the law? Yeah. Well, I don't have part- a jury. I, I don't have a jury. I just so have no guilty pleasure then. No, no, no. I don't have a jury. I just have Jude, who is my mom. Rest in peace. She's the one like it's it, that's where my guilty pleasures come from. Um, things like chocolate, you know, and like the Sarah, what do you weigh these days? She used to do that to me when I was younger. So that's where my guilt comes from. And alcohol for me. I would have a second glass of wine at dinner and she'd be like, Sarah, do you have a drinking problem? Is everything okay? And now I have so much guilt around alcohol because I was told that's not okay to have to enjoy more than one glass of wine. Right. So that's where mine comes from is just what I grew up with being told, don't do that. So when I do that action, it's like, am I supposed to enjoy this? Now I feel guilty. Shit. Now I'm hungover. Well, mine, mine comes from, perception. And I don't know if it is because I am empathically perceiving or if it is because my brain is perceiving disappointment or disgust with what I'm interested in from from various people in throughout my whole life. That is wrong. That is right. And it never, I shouldn't say never, it wasn't really implicitly said, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's not okay. What you're doing isn't right but I felt it so strongly from outside of myself that I took it on from there. I want to do parts work best sessions with both of you. Sarah, I can help you with Jude. Nikki, I can help you with these perceived people, not like, not, uh, you know, judging you. 
Let's do it. Let's do it. So Laura, take, take us there. How would you work with somebody who is feeling the guilt, the external guilt so deeply? Do you, uh, Sarah, do you want, uh, am I saying you want to step up and be a guinea pig here? I just did jazz hands. Did you see oh, it? Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> I should have done jazz hands. Me? I was like, pick okay, me, pick yeah, me. Yeah, I, I can do this because this week I actually had the opportunity to work with a coach who has a group online and she wanted me to do an experiential thing with her group. And so, yeah, so I would say, let's do this. Think about that voice, the voice that's judging you and think about the last time. And if you need to help, if you need help pulling it up, think about the last time it was judging you. Maybe it was the last time, Sarah, you decided to have two glasses of wine. Maybe Nikki, it was when you were thinking about um, sitting and binge watching something and you had this part, this voice, this perception in your head that it was trying to it was going to like have something to say about that. It was going to judge you basically for doing this thing that you love. So see if you can find that part. And so what I always say is parts want two things. They want to be acknowledged and appreciated. So I do a lot of thinking of my parts. So I would just ask you to find this part, this part that's judging you, the part that might be criticizing, the part that may sound like your mother or a school teacher or your grandfather. And just ask it if it's willing to speak to you and see what comes. You're not trying to think of an answer. Just see what comes. See if that part is willing to talk to you. We go through our lives not talking to our parts, not listening to them. We're trying to get rid of them. And I think that that's, I think that's unfortunate. These parts have things to tell us. So if that part's willing to speak to you, ask it, what is its role in your life? What does it do for you? And again, not trying to think of an answer, just see what comes. And if it's answered you, ask it what it's afraid will happen if, you, if it doesn't do its job. If it doesn't tell you to, are you, do you have a drinking problem? Or do you really wanna watch another episode? What's it afraid will happen if it doesn't do its job? again, just see what comes. And before we close with this part, just ask it, what would it like to tell you before we close? Something else it needs to share with you. What message might it have? And then thank the part for being willing to speak with you. And if you're open, let it know you're willing to speak with it again. And then I'll just ask you to come back into this space and let me know what happened or didn't happen. I definitely think that the inner critic part voice in my head, who is, is typically my mom, and let's just go with the wine example. Even though it's hard to hear, I feel like she's being judgmental of me. And then that makes me feel guilty for enjoying a pleasure to bring this back to guilty pleasures. It's understanding that that it's trying to protect me from not going down a path that could be destructive, right? It's like just a check-in, trying to protect me and have a conversation with me, but I have so much resistance to it because it's like, you've hurt me before, mom, and I don't want to hear your voice. Right. But there's times that is there to help me, right? And so I think it's, but then I take it to, oh, well, I feel guilty that I'm enjoying this because I'm being told I shouldn't. And there's that small line between it's okay to enjoy this until you get to a point that it's that you shouldn't, if that makes sense. 
So that's what I take from it is I want to be able to have pleasure in my life. Right. And I think that the, the outside forces that tell me you shouldn't are, are just trying to keep me in check. That's what I think it is. I would argue, yeah, I would say, not argue, argue is not the right word, but I would definitely say the part's trying to help you, and then you get another part that then feel, gets angry at being told what to do, yeah. and then that other part, then they're then they're kind of at loggerheads with each other, like there's a polarization, and then it, it can turn into a shame spiral, which is with additional work with that mom part of yours that's like trying to tell you what to do, what'll happen is she can relax back and allow you to lead your life, and she's not, she doesn't become such a, a the voice will calm down if you were to continue to connect with her. Yeah. I know, it's, and it seems like a, for a lot of people, that seems absolutely, you know, what? You want me to talk to it more? It has all this space in my head. I don't want to give it more space, but it's interesting. It's like the antithesis of what you think. Once it, you once you keep checking in with it, it can relax and it will allow you to lead your life instead of it criticizing you all the time. Yeah. Anybody else have any reaction? Well, this, this is a part I've worked with before and I call it the judge and when it first came up, it was interesting because it was like the courtroom scene with the judge on high and overlord. And what what has happened is when I feel that judge come up, we relocate out of the courtroom to a place. Initially, it was judges chambers. And then Kim and I talked and she's like, you don't know, want to know what happens in judges chambers. And so I've made judges chambers. A, a balcony overlooking a golf course on the water. So that's nice. what I call judges chambers now. So it's a beautiful location. And I know Sarah's yes. very excited. <laughs> Yay for golf courses, making the world better. <laughs> and so we sit on this balcony and talk instead of being in the courtroom where it's judged and persecuted. We are sitting in a chair overlooking this beautiful golf course, sometimes with a, a fancy drink in our hands so it can be more of that conversation instead of the overlord on high raining down judgment so you've got you've moved it to a place and it's it's more it's a calmer situation to interact instead of feeling judged yeah yeah but i think it's so interesting how whether it's that internal voice right that is that we hear us as scolding us or it is, or we're being put down. Like there's a difference between being scolded and being put down. That feeling that bubbles up within us that we, that it's like, oh, I shouldn't, right? And that shouldn't is really strong. And then that just becomes our natural where we go to, right? That's like, oh, no, I shouldn't do this. Should I? I really want to. No, I shouldn't, but I really want to. No, I shouldn't. And that dance creates more tension. Well, and I should do this instead. Right. I should do something else because of that. So to totally distance yourself from what you want to do. Yeah. So I I would be curious what life would be like if we got rid of that concept of guilty pleasure and we went back to that place before we were told we shouldn't experience pleasure. And what what would it be like for us if we were just okay with experiencing pleasure? Crickets. <laughs> it's a boring just, concept, isn't it? I was it's thinking I would just be sitting on the couch drinking wine, eating chocolate, watching Netflix, and not feeling bad about it and not doing my to-do list. Do you and really like, think it would go that far that you I don't, all I the time? Not. I mean, how much chocolate can you eat before you don't feel well? 
there is a point. I know some people don't believe it, but you can have too much chocolate. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to try it for a few days and let you know. Um, I, I mean, I know I took it to an extreme, but I think it would just, um, honestly, to be able to fully enjoy the moments that you have been told for your life that you're not supposed to enjoy. I think that's what it would actually be. I would not eat that much chocolate and drink that much wine and watch that much Netflix all at once. Anyways, I think Stagger that's it. it though. Out, Sarah. Stagger yeah. it out. Be clear um, about your boundaries. It's that diminishing returns. Yeah. It, you can sit on the couch for 10 hours and it's not at the 10th hour, it's probably not as enjoyable as Seriously. the first hour. Well, does anybody here know the pleasures? I, I don't. I, I know there's a, some statistic out there is like how long. Oh, thank you, Sarah's going to the Google box. Um, <laughs> but there is some statistic that talks about the, the duration of pleasure, like that pleasure center in our brain when it is activated and then what that diminishing return is. So when I think of going to that place of allowing myself to have the pleasures in my life that, that I enjoy, I don't think of overindulging because I know that at a certain point, then it's not, it's not pleasurable. It's just what I'm doing. What's that? It's a piece of addiction where you are always going for the next high. You're always going, well, this made me feel better. So I must need more of it because it's not working the same anymore. And so, um, you know, you, the, the potato chips, you never can eat just one, but that first one's likely going to be the best one. Second one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so it, you keep eating them because you want it to be that good. And you it's, want the high and it doesn't come anymore. Yeah. And no. it's What's, not there. And it's interesting because it takes me back to the conversation we had around the sweet spot. Right. It's that we, once we have that moment of perfection, how do we return to it? And if we want to return to that place of pleasure, it can't be a constant stream of pleasure. What's pleasure in different areas? Like how can you have fun at work and have fun on the couch watching Netflix and have fun walking your dog and have fun having sex and have fun meeting new people? And, you know, there's pleasure in multiple things. I think when we think of guilty pleasure, sometimes we think of only one thing, but Mm -hmm. to carry pleasure throughout our day in a variety of spaces and places and to shift at the thinking a little bit, how can I make this fun? How can this be fun here? How can I enjoy myself? Yeah. Yeah. Google didn't help. It just tried to tell me when Pleasure Island closed. So I'm sorry. I don't have any information. <laughs> Talk about a guilty somebody pleasure. Needs, somebody oh. needs to fix the Google box. Oh my gosh. Well, oh. I would like to thank my lovely co-hosts again today for coming along this journey of talking about guilty pleasures. Although there's a question mark around the word guilty. We did spend a lot of time talking about what guilt means, what shame means, and and what pressures we put on ourselves when we feel that guilt and shame bubble up and ways that we can start releasing that from our thought processes. So whether it's an internal part that's scolding you or you've been pulled into the judge's chambers, give yourself a little bit of a break. And when you're thinking that, oh my goodness, I shouldn't be doing this. And think instead about how to invite a little bit more pleasure into every day. And listeners, it has been my pleasure to help lead this group in this conversation around guilty pleasures today. We see you, we love you, and remember, all your pleasurable parts are the best parts. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Best Parts Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it. 
After all, sharing is caring. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at The Best Parts Podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts. <laughs>